This past Tuesday, May 24, 2022, an 18-year-old walked into Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, and shot and killed 19 students and two teachers. Almost immediately, many around the country and right here in Connecticut uh, began drawing comparisons to the December 14, 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. Tonight, I am honored to be joined by Mariam Aziz. Mariam was a first grader in Newtown when her peers at Sandy Hook Elementary were killed. Now, Mariam is 15 years old. She's an outspoken activist, a poet, and a sophomore at Danbury High School. On Thursday night, Mariam performed a powerful new poem at a vigil in Newtown, where residents and neighbors gathered in solidarity with the Uvalde, Texas community. Assalamu alaikum, Mariam. Welcome back to Mic Check. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm glad to be back here. Yeah, it's, uh, I can't believe the last time that that you were on the show was December 29th, 2019. So that was yeah, actually... Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, that was, that was a while ago. It feels like a really long time ago. And <laughs> yeah, a lot, certainly a lot has happened since then. Um, yeah. And so I, I also wanted to start by saying that my heart goes out to you and your family and the entire Newtown community. As I know that this December will mark 10 years since the, the tragedy at Sandy Hook. And... You know, I know right now you're reliving that nightmare uh, of almost 10 years ago with this week's devastating Robb Elementary School massacre in Uvalde, Texas. Um, and of course, people from all across the country have been thinking back to 2012 in Newtown. Mariam, as someone from Newtown, what was your initial reaction this week when you heard about the mass shooting in Texas? Honestly, I was very shocked. And when I saw the news, I was heartbroken because there was like too much violence going on right now, especially with Buffalo and all the mass shootings that have happened since Sandy Hook, which is like 3,000 plus. Um, but Uvalde hit home, especially because of how similar it was to growing up in Newtown when Sandy Hook happened. And it was um, second to Sandy Hook as one of the deadliest um, elementary school mass shootings, which is so heartbreaking just seeing that, reliving it again and yeah there's like no words to describe it honestly yeah I, I, I can't even imagine as you know someone from Newtown how incredibly painful and deeply personal this this time must be for you and your family right now and your community and so Mariam I was wondering um, and, and I know that this this is incredibly painful um, and it, so if you if you feel comfortable, I was wondering because um, you know you're you're 15 now you're in high school and you were um, in first grade uh, when the Sandy Hook massacre took place in December 2012 and I was wondering if if you could briefly describe that day for you and and the emotions that you were feeling. Yeah, that day was very scary. And I remember when I was in Newtown, our teachers were telling us to hide inside the room and turn off the lights. And we were all crying because we were so scared and confused. And we had like we had no idea what was going on, but we knew it was something like very, very bad. And we were all so young, like five or six at that time. So it was very scary. And I, my heart goes out to all the Uvalde elementary schoolers who had to go through the same thing. I was wondering if you'd be uh, comfortable elaborating as well on the continued impact that the Sandy Hook tragedy has had on your life um, as 
as a child growing up in Newtown? It was very hard to grow up here in Newtown um, when after Sandy Hook because it's not really something you can explain, but it was a very, like, it was like the trauma is something you carry with you for the rest of your life. It was a very heartbreaking tragedy. It was a massacre, and it was just children. And it's, it's like, you can't even imagine something happening like that. And then just growing up beyond that, like, every year we'd always um, attend the vigils in Newtown, for the victims, and we'd always um, go to the Ben's Lighthouse, which is um, um, a memorial to uh, for Benjamin Wheeler, and we, we could never forget something so traumatic that happened in our town. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I really can't, I can't imagine what what you've all been going through, and, and all we could do is that. pray that, um, and just try to take action so that this could never happen to anyone again. Speaking of, of taking action, like you said, at what point would you say, you know, thinking back, what, at what point would you say you realized for the first time that your voice matters and that you yourself can, can play a part in making change in your community and making change in the world around you? When I was um, 11, I wrote a book called Soulful Sydney Explores Diversity because I wanted to change people's perception of each other. And it was... I was very young, but at the same time, it was like a universal concept that if we just all got to understand each other, instead of making these assumptions, making these stereotypes of fear and hatred, there would be none of that. There would be no violence in this world if we actually got to understand each other. And the reason why um, I chose for it to be a children's book was because I know that these stereotypes, these filters we create, they're not... Children are not born with them. It's something that is taught. Racism, all these sort of things. Hatred is taught. It's not, you're not born with it. And I think kids are the key to fixing this world and growing up in a more peaceful world because they're, they're not, they don't carry these stereotypes with them. And if we can just expose them to understanding and love and kindness instead of anger and hatred and fear, then we'd grow up in a more prosperous world. And that's the world I want to be created. That's definitely the world I want to live in. You know, like you said, a world rooted in compassion and treating, yeah. treating other people with compassion and empathy and, and a world of less violence and so that's that. Yeah, that that's really beautiful. And, you know, you just spoke about how important it is for all of us to learn about each other, to learn about other cultures and experiences different from our own. And I know, uh, Mariam, that currently you are actually the president of the Asian Club at Danbury High School. Can you talk about the work that you're doing at Danbury High School um, to hold space for conversations around identity and belonging. Yeah, so in Asian Club, we introduced all kinds of cultures in Asia to people because exposure is something that I believe is important for us to be able to understand each other. And many people in the world, like if you just ask them, what do they know about Asians or ethnic, like any ethnicities in, in the people of Asia, they come up with all sorts of stereotypes and they barely know anything about such a large continent so showing kids um through music food culture traditions like even dancing and sports it helps us bond 
through action instead of just words. And I think that's really important is to show kids like through like things through culture, like food and having fun that you can understand someone through that. And I think that's like what my favorite part about being the president of Asian club is that I get to host these things. I get to share my ideas and all the officers in our club also help with bringing wonderful ideas. Um, And yeah, I'm just glad that even by a little bit change that it changes someone else's perspective of a certain people. And I think that's the first step to making change. Have you found a lot of support in the in the school and in the community? Yeah, um, we actually even hosted like a culture day at school. Everyone, um, like every, all the staff and faculty have been so kind and so welcoming. Like even like all my teachers, they posted the flyers about it. And yeah, we also hosted like many other fun activities at our school that like the faculty was very they're like proud to host and I think that was a great thing like even um um uh, Mr. Turner I think that's his name he's a cook at Denver High School and we have this like cafe and kitchen area and he always lets us go in and make foods and like it's he doesn't even like require a fee or anything he's always been like very kind and the people just in general at Danbury High School have always been very open and welcoming for like Asian clubs and just diversity in general and all the people in general. That's so awesome. And that's, that's really, really beautiful. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, thank you for, for everything you're doing with, with the Asian club and, and all those, those great events and everything that, you know, that, that you're, you're doing in the school. Um, could you talk a little bit more about some of the maybe specific examples of some of the events or some of the, um, the activities? Yeah, so in the beginning of the year, we actually played this game where, um, I don't know if you've heard about this, it's like Dalgona, it's this um, Korean street food from the 80s, and we tried making it, and it was kind of hard to make, but we were all working together, and then we had these cut-out shapes that we had to cut out from the, like, the hard um, brittle thing without having it break, so that was hard. Um, We also made hummus, and we also, like, we're hosting this movie event um, at our school. Um, we're also doing, like, we've just done, like, a lot of things. And even Culture Day, like, we had students at school throughout the whole day participate by wearing their traditional clothing, uh, listening to tradi- traditional music, and just um, having fun. So I think that's, like, what gets kids, like, able to understand each other is, like, having fun and seeing people not as harmful or people that should be feared, but as people who learning more about have enjoyable parts of their culture that you'd want to enjoy too. And I think that's what I enjoy most about doing an Asian club. And those are just some examples of the many things we've done this year. That is so awesome. It really is about celebrating diversity and, and bringing people together. And I think that's the, that's such a beautiful thing. Um, bringing people together the way that you are and, and, um, you know, educating, and, and learning together because mm-hmm. we all have so much to learn about other cultures and about each other as people. And so that's, that's awesome. And so I know that, Mariam, in addition to being an activist, um, you are also a poet. And I was wondering if you could talk about how you first got into writing poetry and, uh, and, and talk about your, your journey as, uh, as, a, as a writer and as a poet. 
So I got into writing poetry when I was younger, like a little bit before I wrote my book. And I think it was a kindness my teachers and my the support my family showed me that motivated me to keep writing more and getting better. Um, one thing I've always loved about poetry that just made it just call to me is the fact that it's not just like some formatted format formatted sorry formatted essay where you can just put statistics and facts and then just pile them up in orderly fashion just like that. It's like it's raw and it's a connection between two people's hearts. It's not supposed to show that you're right or wrong or whatever. It's just supposed to make you feel something. It's supposed to call you. And um um, also, the president of the poetry club at my high school, uh, it's called Word Warriors. We um, we hosted this event called Word Fest where we got to do just that. We gave kids a platform, regardless of they, whether they were in the club or not, to talk about things that they felt were important and things that just called to them through poetry, regardless of what it was. Um, it was a wonderful event. And I've just loved poetry like ever since I got into it. Um, and yeah, I think it's an amazing, amazing way to communicate and people, and I'm not the only one. <laughs> There's a lot of kids I know at my school that love poetry too, um, regardless if they feel good or bad in it. I love how poetry is, is like something you can't be right or wrong in. It's just, it's just the way you feel. And that showing of vulnerability, that showing of your emotions, allows people to see you as a human being and they allow allows the, them to like communicate with you to understand you to empathize with you and that's why i think poetry can change the world thank you so much for sharing that mariam thank you uh, um, if you're if you're just joining us if you're just tuning in you're listening to wpkn 89.5 fm in bridgeport serving fairfield new haven and litchfield county in connecticut and suffolk county on Long Island, New York. We stream around the world and offer thousands of podcasts at www.wpkn.org. The name of this program is Mike Check, and my name is Mike Murley. I usually host every third and fifth Sunday of the show, and I've been in conversation this evening with Mariam Aziz, a 15-year-old activist and poet from Newtown, Connecticut, whose peers were killed in the 2012 massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School. And Mariam has been sharing about her activism and her poetry and her journey. Thank you so much again, Mariam, for everything that you've been sharing. And thank you. Um, and I'm so, like I said earlier, I'm so glad that you were able to, you know, be on the show again. And um, I can't believe, again, I can't believe that it was December 2019 when you were last on the show. Yeah. Um, and so that you, was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And so you were Even just... Even before COVID. Yeah, it's... Wow, yeah, pre, pre-COVID pre time just doesn't feel real right now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so you were just talking about your poetry and about all the things that... Or some of the things that inspire you about poetry and that, that you love about, about poetry. And I wanted to ask you if you could talk a little bit more about... Um, you know, when you kind of first began performing your poems and kind of that, that experience of performing and and your your thoughts and feelings on performing? Um, when I first started performing, I think I was a little bit nervous because it was not like what I've been 
done doing before it was not something where where it was just like a school presentation or a google slide or anything for that matter it was just a connection feeling emotions and so that had me a little bit nervous but after the first time and the support like from my family like i said before um it made me confident and wanted me to and it made me want to do it again like um that's why i've like done a lot of spoken poetry since then because it's a very freeing feeling when you put yourself out in the open and you say what you want um when you want to talk and you use poetry to convey your emotion i think it's a very powerful thing and that's what motivates me to do it more is because it helps people understand you and if that's one way to becoming an activist is throwing is showing through poetry and through vulnerability through emotion that there's something needs to be done. If it motivates even one person to make a change, then that makes all the difference. And like you said before, poetry can change the world and can make people see things differently. And you have definitely put messages into your poetry. And on Thursday night, the Newtown community gathered at Trinity Episcopal Church for a vigil honoring the lives lost in Uvalde, Texas. At the vigil, you performed a powerful poem that has since been talked about in the Danbury News Times, the Connecticut Post, and the Hartford Current. And uh, uh, congratulations, I wanted to, 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 to recognize your poem and, and, and the news coverage that, that it has gotten and the very the, the so well-deserved news coverage and media coverage. Thank you so much. And so, Mariam Aziz, thank you so much for joining me tonight on Mic Check for this important conversation, and thank you for all of your work and all the ways that you use your voice to bring people together, to raise awareness, and to speak out. And so to close out tonight's program, Mariam, I was wondering if you could give a little bit of background on this new poem that you performed on Thursday night at the Vigil for Uvalde, Texas, and perform it live here tonight on the radio. And then at 6 p.m. tonight, we will have the Ralph Nader Radio Hour here on WPKN, followed at 7, of course, by Cool Blues and Rare Records with Al Bell. Yeah, so the reason why I wrote this is because it was so similar to something I grew up with, and I felt like if I just stayed silent, then I would just be part of it. And we can't just, you know, keep pretending that letting an 18-year-old who who came into the school with an AR-15, we can't act like that's okay. That's not okay. And he should have had at least some background checks, stricter background checks, like all the other countries in the world, like Europe and all those places um, who do have stricter background checks and all that stuff and who have never had school shootings in like, 20 plus years and I think we need to take their example and do the same because these are kids lives on the line and it should not be kids lives it should not be anyone's lives on the line so that was what prompted me to write this poem and also I um I saw a picture of the backpacks of the kids who were um the victims of the Uvalde massacre and I was just the caption was just when I grow up and that was such a powerful line because I couldn't just stop thinking about it just because backpacks are supposed to hold what you carry for the rest of your 
um, school life from kindergarten to high school, and they never got that chance. So this is a poem I wrote dedicated to them called When I Grow Up. When a stinger stings their last sting, you hear your phone ring. We are bees, seeds of the earth, perfection at birth, pollinators, immortal, flying high. But we are dying off and we don't know why. All we do is study in a sanctuary, a home, and draw a little, maybe even sing and take care of our hive. We have parents and dreams and hopes. We carry the burden of the world because we have time. We will relax later. But when is later? There is no more time. Scientists and politicians say they don't know why we are dying when flying. We want to be alive, but we do know why. And the thought of our stingers have always kept us safe, even though we know we must never use them. Use pepper spray. Always keep your phone on. Look both ways when you cross the street. Turn off the lights. This is the door we exit from. This is the room we hide in. This is the desk we barricade the door with. This is the window we wait for rescue from. This is the hand you cover your mouth with. This is the pencil you will use as a weapon. This is the last text you will send your mother. I love you, Mom. This is the guard bee who needs to protect the children at play. Because who will? We do know why. Inside this hive, we let inside a bee killer. He waited for his resentment to manifest into hatred. He is not a bee. He has no fuzz, no clear motive. He puts on a yellow jacket. He uses his stinger, his vile wish for a cleansing of the weak. He can use a stinger multiple times, an expert, an apex predator, a monster, a human. When the stinger stings their last sting, their hive will ring your phone to let you know they'll bring a mini body bag fit just for your child to your door. They'll bring cookies and thoughts and prayers, but since when did such meaningless words ever bring a mother comfort? Should you think your thoughts and prayers will bring that bee back? He was listening to rap music. He was playing video games. He was having a bad day. All these things we will soon say. What about our promise to protect the earth, to protect our kids? But has anyone ever questioned his ability to sting or the way he boasted about his weapon on social media? I don't know much. I'm just a little bee in a big world. But what I do know is we let him in. We saw him in all of his sinful colors. I can't say I watched him grow. I can't say I knew his motive. But I can say while growing up, I wanted to become a police officer because witnessing 20 students my age in my town come home in bags was traumatizing enough. At six years old, I felt the burden of being the one who had to do something. At four years old, I said, when I grow up, I'll become a unicorn. At six years old, I said, when I grow up, I will become a police officer. At eight years old, I said, when I grow up, I will become a lawyer. When I grow up, I will become a doctor. When I grow up, I will become a firefighter. When I grow up, I'll become a ninja. When I grow up, I'll become a teacher. When I grow up, I'll become a veterinarian. 
When I grow up, I'll become an actor. When I grow up, I'll become a detective. When I grow up, I'll become a baseball player. When I grow up, I'll become a lighthouse guard. When I grow up, I'll become a... I don't know all too much about the world and its complexities. I don't know all too much about our functions and society and your policies, but I do know this. Every baby bee in this hive has once uttered these words. When I grow up, when will we let them grow up? Thank you. Wow, thank you so much, Mariam. Thank you. That was incredibly powerful. And I was, wow, yeah. Um, thank you for, for sharing your poem. And since we do have just, uh, well, a couple seconds here, just really quick, um, what, what do you have uh, coming up? Hopefully we're going to be going to Washington, D.C. to talk about, like, Uvalde. I mean, I know my brothers have gone last time when it was Sandy Hook, but this time we have to make actual change because that's Sandy Hook we promised we would never let it happen again, and then we let 3,300 more massacres happen. So we cannot let this happen again. This has to be the last time this ever happens, and hopefully when we go to Washington, D.C., we'll be able to do that. Thank you so much again, Mariam. Have a good night. Thank you. You too.